to be or not to be <laughs> To free or not to free To crawl or not to crawl Fuck all those perfect people Uh, fuck all those perfect people. Chip Taylor and the new Ukrainians, uh, as usual, are <laughs> today. Most of the today's soundtrack is from a selection suggested by our special guest, Jane Anson, and it will be available as a Spotify playlist. Is there a uh, subliminal message with this song or something like so, that? That song, I love that song. But one of the reasons is I've got two teenage daughters, one's 14 and one's 19. And I think that is a massively important message for young people, <laughs> for all of us, fuck all the perfect people. There aren't any, basically. <laughs> Thank you very much for accepting our invitation. It's such a pleasure to welcome you to the Wine Hour. Um, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I have a hot chocolate here, actually. Yeah, chocolate is nice. Uh, so as I said, if the audience has any questions, you can raise your hand and we'll put you uh, either on audio or video if you are ready. Now, In your path, uh, you've been uh, a correspondent for Decanter in Bordeaux since 2003. And there are many things before that. You traveled a lot. Uh, you went to Tokyo, you went to Hong Kong, you went to so many different places. And then, as usually in our lives, there's some special people that, you know, show up at one point or another that kind of makes big impression on us. We all have somehow those kind of persons. What about Jabulani Nshangase? I hope I pronounce it properly. Great job. Yeah, he, and you know, weirdly, just today, I saw that Spear Winery had won, um, I think the drinks business gave it um, the green award for the, for the winery that's done, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, mm -hmm. but something about social um, giving back to, you know, things. And it was at Spear that I met Jabulani. So it's weird that that came up today. Um, I, yeah, quite often think if I hadn't met him in Spear that day, it was 1996, I think it's unlikely that I would be writing about wine today. It really was mm. that much of a, really a, a kind of a fateful meeting where I only saw him that one day and then I met him again 10 years, 15 years later in New York by just some one of those crazy coincidences. Mm. But um, it really just kind of, turned something in my mind of the fact that wine was such a fascinating subject that could bring together so many different parts of life. And as a writer, so I was a journalist before, mm -hmm. I've always wanted to be a writer since I was seven, and I've never really thought about doing anything else. And it didn't have to be about wine by any stretch of the imagination. But that meeting made me kind of see that wine would be somewhere that as a writer, I could, I could go and I could find a path. Was there something specific in your conversation with him? I think it was the fact that I was talking to him as a journalist, not as a wine mm. journalist at all. And I was interested about the fact that he'd left South Africa during apartheid, had, had been living in New York, and then came back to kind of build the, the new South Africa as it was really, really seen at the time. And I interviewed him. And then I went to a township just outside of Cape Town, and I met a, a 
a, a guy who was probably a similar age, but who hadn't ever left South Africa and who clearly had far less economic prospects. I, I don't know what he's doing now, but it was those two meetings in, they were like two days apart, I think just had a very profound influence on me thinking about um, South Africa at that time. And then I went back and properly interviewed Jabulani. And yeah, I think it just made me see that in wine, you have the beauty of being in the, the Cape Winelands. I mean, Tanisha was saying she was there this summer, you know, it is just so stunning. But but all around it was quite difficult um, political, economic backgrounds and um, and the history of South Africa. I think they just I just realised that wine would bring all of those different things together as well as tasting really delicious and, you know, giving a, ha having just a, a sense, a sensory thing to write about as well. So, you know, it was, it was a, definitely a big moment in my life. Yeah. What is interesting is that Ray, Ray Isle was a writer before going into the world of wine as well. And it seems that there's a, there's an approach to the writing itself when you come not from that world and you, know, you haven't grown up as a, as a winemaker or from a winemaker family, but you come as a writer because there are interests or there's angles that you're trying to look at that may be different that someone has lived, you know, in, in the, in, in that, in that industry for a long time. And this is quite interesting. Then you, you work with the canter. Um, how did you approach your, your, your writing and, once you started to be in the world of wine, did you change the way you approached the writing, the kind of questions you were asking, or you always liked that angle of, you know, from the outsider? I think I've probably always bugged most winemakers by asking lots of questions. <laughs> I, I think as, if you come from a journalist background, you can't help but ask lots of questions. And to be a good writer in anything, you've got to be interested in people and you've got to keep, don't be afraid to say when you don't understand something. And I think even now, Every time I go to a winery, there'll be a little something that I didn't quite get before, or it makes more sense when it's put into a different kind of a context. And so, no, I think that background of being a journalist has been enormously helpful all the way through and continues to be. And in fact, that was really how I got Decanter. Like when I moved to Bordeaux in 2003, I really just knocked on Decanter's door. I went back down to, to London. They were in Fulham at the time in this tiny, tiny little office where you walked up these kind of rickety old steps to get up to the top. And um, and I was met there by a wonderful guy called Adam Lechmere, who's no still a journalist, doesn't work with Decanter now. But but um, I basically said, I'm in Bordeaux. I'm a journalist. Do you do you need any anything? And he said, Oh yeah, great. We um we need somebody who's prepared to get their hands dirty and get the story, as opposed to be wanting to taste wine all the time. And that was a brilliant way in for me because that's you know that was what I knew how to do. So I, for the first really five years when I was here, I was just learning about how Bordeaux worked by writing news stories. It was a very, very helpful thing to do. And then later started um, taking the WSET and doing um, working at the, in, uh, doing, doing an Institute of Enology here in Bordeaux and kind of getting to know more about the actual wine side. The, when you started, how welcome were you <laughs> in that world? So here comes the uh, the British lady, uh, okay, with the canter, but uh, she's going to ask me. Uh, she's asking some some kind of you know strange questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was really lucky to be so to know so little about the wine world that I was that I wasn't um, overawed. I think by by realizing that here I was in Bordeaux with all of these people like Stephen Spurrier and um, 
you know, um, broadbent and all of these real legends. But luckily, I didn't really realize that they were legends. So I didn't feel so overawed by them <laughs> when I first met them. I think that was helpful. Yes. And the and and the, the local producer, the winemakers, how were their, how did they receive you? How did they welcome you? Um, um, I think that the Bordelais get a reputation for being um, quite closed. Um, I didn't really find that to be the case, but I wasn't um, trying, I think, to be, I didn't, I didn't want to be admitted into the inner circle. I think what you said before, that the fact that I can feel like I'm a little bit outside of that looking in is helpful for my job. So I don't think I'm, I minded, but it is certainly true that having the, the decanter, there's a kind of bit like the key to the kingdom. When you have the name decanter behind you, I'm sure they were probably more welcoming to me than maybe they would have been otherwise. But yeah, I've always found them. Um, I've, I've always found that they, they let you in enough to be able to do your job, which is all that, which is what you need. Yes. And at the beginning, were there special people, specific people yeah. that were more forthcoming and really yes. were there to support you and help you and to get your yes, get you would, inside, basically? I would say that those people still I feel enormously grateful to. And Jean-Michel Caz was one of them. So the owner of Lynch Barge, now he's retired. It's his son who, who runs Lynch Barge. But he was, from the very first time I met him, took me seriously, even though I really did know nothing about wine really when I moved to Bordeaux, but just took me seriously and pointed me in the right direction of what I should be reading and all that, but in a very non you know not at all making me feel like I didn't know anything mm -hmm. just in a very welcoming way so he was amazing um there's a, a guy called Denis de Bordia who sadly is, is, has died now god probably now five or six years ago but he was the closest thing I would say that I had to a mentor in Bordeaux mm -hmm. where he was really helpful in in how you taste and how and and if I had any questions about um, the technical side he would always be on the other end of the phone and and take those calls and then eventually he became one of my professors at the institute of enology mm. when i did the duad the tasting mm. um the year-long tasting diploma and so he had a, an enormous impact on me. and still today i don't think there's a week that goes by when i don't think i wish i could call denny and ask him some something so he was he was very important to me and then after a long career with decanter you decided to go on your own Yeah, it's exciting. So almost <laughs> a year ago. So that is a definite. That, this year has been amazing. I was with Decanter for yeah, 15 years, mm -hmm. and I was their official Bordeaux correspondent for about the last seven of those of those years, maybe six or seven of those years. And it was a wonderful job. There's no question about it. It was a you know, it's a great job to have. But I just got to the point when I wanted to. I wanted to to see what else I could do. I'd written, by that point, I'd written six books about Bordeaux and mm. I'd just done that huge inside Bordeaux, that real like 800 page we'll door stepper <laughs> of a book, we'll talk about that. <laughs> which, which was wonderful, but it really gave me a, a, a deeper insight into how Bordeaux worked. Like any book, the best way to learn about anything is to write about it. And mm -hmm. that book was very, really opened even more in my mind of how Bordeaux works. And I just started thinking, there was an opportunity to do a site which which did for Bordeaux what wonderful websites do for Burgundy. You have three or four mm -hmm. sites which are really focused on Burgundy. And there wasn't one about Bordeaux, certainly not from a, a, a wine critic who's writing regularly and who's writing in the English language. 
And it seemed like I was well-placed to do it because I was based here. And, you know, I just went for it. I just decided I was going to do it. And I launched officially last October. So I've just really finished my first full year. And it's been really the best year professionally of my life. I've, I've loved it. It's been wonderful. Okay. We're going to talk about that after a musical break. And uh, this is your, your, your second uh, selection. selection uh, you've chosen why do you only call me when you're high from the arctic monkeys i love them <laughs> they're, they're so brilliant why have you chosen that song um i went to university in sheffield my my um, undergraduate studies which is where the arctic monkeys are from so or from oh. yorkshire so i love the accent so much and i love that they just think they're they're brilliant in fact the other song that you picked the um 
the Blue Monday. I was I lived in Manchester from the age of 13 to 18. So my whole teenage years was in Manchester. Couldn't be a better place in the world to be a teenager than Manchester. So those two songs that you picked for the video, uh, I'm, I'm very, very happy you chose them both. Okay, there, there was it was it wasn't it wasn't you know planned from before. I, I just felt it. I... <laughs> <laughs> so you left Decanter to start JaneAnson.com. Yes. Big step. Is is that also potentially a way because you you felt you would have more freedom to write about more things that you wanted to express I think more I felt things? Actually, not just about writing more things. It was more about how to run the business myself and to and to make my professional life be about more than just writing tasting notes. I think that mm -hmm. was really important for me. So like small things, like from the beginning, doing the 1% for the planet. So mm -hmm. you know, doing 1% of my turnover that goes to environmental causes. This week, I've just picked my first charity that I'm working with, which is a ocean, like ocean cleanup around the, um, around Bordeaux, around the Atlantic coast around here, which has been wonderful. Um, but also, things like the mentor week. So that was something which, I mean, I, I could have done it with Decanter, mm -hmm. but it's different when you're in that rhythm of just doing the, the, the work that you have to do for a, for somebody else. It, it, I, I really found that by stopping and starting my own site, I could reimagine from the beginning how I spend my year. And so that um, idea of doing the mentor week, which I, I did with a, a friend here, mm -hmm. and we, we, we kind of opened up applications for any young people from all over the world who would maybe were starting out in wine but hadn't maybe been established for long enough and coming to Bordeaux might have been difficult for them for whatever reason um, and it was never about making ambassadors for Bordeaux but it's something that I have seen in my career that when you know a bit about Bordeaux you're taken seriously in the wine world it's like this kind of shortcut that people don't tell you about that people assume you have a far greater knowledge if that knowledge is about Bordeaux. And so I wanted to do something to, and we talked about you know, Bordeaux can be closed and it's difficult and can be seen as being very kind of snobby. And I, I wanted to do something where Bordeaux would, would actually offer a, 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 whatever the word is, a jumping off point for people's careers. And it was just the most wonderful, rewarding week I could ever imagine. We got um, sponsors to bring people over. Mm -hmm. So there was no cost for the guys who came. Um, that we had, um, and for Air France, did one of the um, the flights, uh, Club Divin, which is an mm -hmm. NFT club. They did another one, um, the Gerard Bassett Foundation, mm -hmm. um, also. So we, yeah, so we got these um, sponsors and brought them over and put them up for a week. It was wonderful. We had something like a hundred people applied. It was the first year. Um, we could we took seven. We were going to take six, but it was impossible to narrow them down. So we had seven in the end. And we had somebody from Puerto Rico, somebody from India, some, two people from South Africa, somebody mm -hmm. from Nigeria, um, somebody from London, somebody from Switzerland. So we, we kind of mixed it up mm -hmm. as well with some people from Europe as well. But it was just a wonderful week. There seems to be that the city is growing more and more on you and we want to give back more and more to it. Yeah. And within that new role with GeneAnson.com, you are able to manage that giving back the way you want to. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, it, yeah, it's been very rewarding. And then at the same time to be able to write about the wines of Bordeaux and the wines that are on the Place de Bordeaux, because there's so many now, there's so many great icon wines of the world that are sold through here. So there's plenty to keep me busy. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a great year.
Yeah. There's something else also when you were writing inside Bordeaux, if I understand correctly, there was it was also to 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 try to remove some of the misconception people would have about Bordeaux and the region. Um, there's some six thousand estates, something like that. Uh, so there's many, many. It's just they're not just the big names that we all hear about, but there's many smaller ones, and there's a lot of diversity. And there was something that actually struck me, uh, without going too much into the technical aspect. When you talk about Bordeaux, you don't really talk about the terroir. And all the conversation I've had with all the people from all across the world, everyone says the terroir is the most important thing. <laughs> you have to think about it. But when it comes to Bordeaux, people were not talking about terroir. They were talking about, you know, the 1855 uh, uh, Grand Cru, etc., the uh, the classement, and uh, and that was it. Uh, so that 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 was a bit of a surprise. I know, and that's something that I feel. I mean, I, I actually can't quite believe it when I look back, but I honestly think that I did move the conversation along by including that as such a big part of Inside Bordeaux. And it was because the longer I was here, the more frustrated I became with exactly what you're saying, that even the chateaus themselves would talk about what their wines were like, but they put it in the context of their history more than really why they were tasting the way they were. And I think, again, it goes back to I'm a journalist. I'm, I want to mm. understand why things work and, and how they work. And so I just became more and more interested in the, in the terroir of Bordeaux. And when I was doing the duet, I had one class with a guy called Kees van Leeuwen. He's a professor who's a, from, from the, the, the Netherlands, who's here and who's a terroir expert. And his lecture was like a light bulb going off in my head because it was so clear the way he talked about it. And I just knew, I just knew at that moment that I had to write something on a, on a deeper level about the terror of Bordeaux. And so when I started doing a book inside Bordeaux, right from the beginning, I knew that was going to be a key part of it. And one of the reasons is because what's the way to get into 6,000 estates? How do you even begin mm. to know? I covered maybe 800 properties in inside Bordeaux, but how do you know beyond the classified which ones to go to? start looking at the terroir and you realize just how fascinating and complex Bordeaux is and you then start to truly understand why left bank is so different from right bank and why Poyac is so different from Santamillion and why actually there's no such thing as Santamillion. There are three very distinct types of terroir within it and for you as a consumer to be empowered to realize you know how do I spend twenty dollars and get a good wine that maybe it's not going to be as good as 600 but but there's something special there going in through the terroir gives you this kind of the keys, again, this idea of keys to the kingdom, this idea of going behind the myths and behind the history. And I found it was a, a much more modern way of looking at Bordeaux. And it was also wonderful because I got to work with um, Kays Van Leeuwen, who was like my scientific advisor. Mm. And he did new maps for the book, which hadn't been, um, some of them had never been published before. Some of them he Oof. did especially for the book. And we did this kind of Indiana Jones trail of finding all of the different maps that may have been done over the years that hadn't been brought up to date. So we got them and then he kind of brought them up to date. So, I, yeah, I, I, I think it was really a useful and interesting exercise. And it certainly enhanced my understanding of Bordeaux. But that was a chapter which was so hard. I wrote and rewrote and rewrote to try and make it accessible for normal non-scientists <laughs> myself and at every point I try to say okay if that's the kind of terroir it is what does that mean to us drinking it 
well, how do you translate that to what a wine tastes like in the glass? And that's what I kept on thinking at, at every moment. So, yes, yeah, so it was a very um, rewarding thing to do. It took you three years to write it. Yes, plus the 15 years before that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> obviously, obviously. You, it's a long time. Yeah, it was a long time. And I was lucky to have um, publishers who were happy to wait and let me, you know, let me write it at the pace that I needed to, and to be able to go as, as deep as possible. And in fact, I've been, something else that's happened this year is that um, I've now got back the rights to Inside Bordeaux. So I now am distributing, I'm still working with my with my wonderful publishers, I'll still be there, mm-hmm. but I have the rights back to it, which means that for my website, that's a whole extra layer, which I'll be developing in 2023. So by subscribing to the website, you'll have much greater access to what, ha- what there is in the book mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, so that's, that's exciting for next year. Yes. Now that you've been for so long in Bordeaux, how can you keep your outsider point of view? Um, my, my <laughs> husband's English as well, so we have our little <laughs> little island of English or English speaking anyway at in, in the house. And I think I don't I don't think it will ever leave me the fact that I have a journalist point of view and you it's very, very natural to be slightly oh, yeah. cynical about what's happening and to <laughs> keep on keep on asking those questions. If I don't ask questions, that's when I'm in trouble. Plans for 2023? A new so, book? Would you would you would you would you write a new book that takes so because they take long. They're not easy. There are things that you can do just overnight. So no, such an right. endeavor. Yeah. Is it something that you it's like? So at the moment, I've been translating Jean-Michel Caz's memoirs. So he mm. wrote, he published his biography in French, and I've translated for him the English version, which again, you're right, I, I shouldn't have taken it on because it's a lot of time, but I just love him. And I wanted to be the person who would translate it. So I just did it. Um, I, I think that I've, because I love writing books and I never feel like I'm completely happy unless I've got some book on the go. So I'm sure I will, but you're right. The last year has been so focused on getting, getting the the website up and up and running. And with Inside Bordeaux now, because I have the rights back, I'll also be doing an ebook. There'll be, you know, there'll be other mm-hmm. things connected to Inside Bordeaux. Yeah. Because now that you're running your own business, it's not just about writing. It's about managing. It's about, no, you know, there's yeah. all I mean, the different things. It's been a real it. learning curve for sure, for sure. And you realize you, you cannot know everything. You have to ask for help. You have to have people that you can rely on and that you can you know, go to. That's been a, a, a wonderful thing. In fact, the, the idea of building a team and giving people um, work and all the rest of it, I've, I've really enjoyed that part of it. But definitely that's a slightly overwhelming at times and something I need to get better at in 2023 is how to sustain this incredible growth because it happened quite quickly how well people kind of, you know, took to the site and getting subscribers. And that's been amazing. But how do I keep sustaining that? That's one of the challenges for me for 2023. Were you surprised by the success? I think you're always a little nervous when you start any project, definitely. Mm. And I I didn't know how it would be received, but um, I was... I didn't take outside investors. So I, so I, I, I decided to, to put my own money into it because I wanted to be able to make those decisions like the 1% for the planet and the mental yeah. week and things that maybe from the outside didn't look like such a smart thing to do. Because very wise choice. <laughs> I hope so. A, a very, um, very wise choice. <laughs> so, yeah, so so that's been amazing. It I, it didn't take long before I knew it was going to work. So that was reassuring. Yeah. But yes, but building it up, that's a whole different thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm you know, that I, I need to 
keep on asking for help. Keep on understanding how do I grow the business. Yes. Uh, we're fortunately getting close to the end of the conversation. But before that, I have one question before we go to the people questionnaire. If you were to look back at yourself age 20, what would you tell yourself? Hmm. Okay, so something that I believe is been true throughout my life and I would say to my 20 year old self believe this is that the harder you work the luckier you get and so I think you know things don't just happen we all have opportunities but we have to know when to take them and we have to know to work hard and not be an asshole you know try and be a good (laughs) person to work with and to and to to, to that that's something I would be sure to let my 20s 20 year old self know wonderful so to conclude, uh, as always, we're going to finish with the people questionnaire. So it's the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, are you ready? I hate this, but yes, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, we, we're going to try to make it as little painful as possible. Painless, but it's okay. So what is your favorite word? Okay, straight away, that's so hard. What I decided to say was any word that said in a Yorkshire accent, like with the Arctic monkeys, I love the Yorkshire accent. So I think it's more about the accent for me than the word. Okay. Can you just give me one to, to hear the accent? Oh, no, I can't. We'll have to, we'll have to play the um, Arctic monkeys again to have them. Um, it's the way that Alex speaks. That's how. Okay. So what's your least favorite word? Okay. So that's easier. I'd straight away, it would be Brexit. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Brexit completely destroyed so many things, yeah. but so much harder living in France post-Brexit. So yeah, that's an easy, easy, my least favorite word. Yes. Your favorite virtue? Oh gosh, being open-minded, I think. Uh, your favorite quality in a man? I would say the same for both things, and it would be a sense of humor. Don't take yourself too seriously, man or woman. Okay, so favorite quality in a woman done uh what wine would you use to describe yourself oh my god honestly you said wine dish or ingredient so i'm so gonna I, okay I, so I, yeah <laughs> choose because it's too it's that's too hard i think what i decided to say instead i don't know what this says about me was but favorite food was what i went for instead of what how to describe myself and mm-hmm. maybe it says something about myself because i would say I like cooking food that's simple, but takes a long time. So it's almost like I work so hard and I'm busy. So I love um, making things which you have to slow down and really you know, take a long time. So I love making gingerbread. I love cooking soups. I love doing things which which you have to do kind of slowly and almost meditatively. If that's yeah, I was going to say it sounds so, like meditation. Yeah. yeah. So so I think so. So we, we, let's say gingerbread then would be the <laughs> would be the food. What's your favorite smell or aroma oh gosh gingerbread one of them um wood you know when you're making a fire i absolutely love the smell of the fire the next day as well when it's slightly cold mm. ash and mm. that's actually one of the things that i quite like finding in wine as well like i love an old saint julian because it will have that gorgeous cold ash smell to it which, which I'm, I'm a big fan of very earthy <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you love Oh, sound of, oh, oh gosh, right. Well, also I had here a, a crackling fire, or I like this this one, a cup of tea being poured out of a real teapot. And when somebody you know, lifts up the tea and you can hear that tea oh. going into, into, the, into a proper china mug. I love that. English lady. <laughs> yeah, English lady. What sound of noise do you hate? Oh, God, well, since 
since COVID, I think I can speak for most people, the sound of somebody coughing when you're in an enclosed environment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think for the rest of all of our lives, that will have been, <laughs> that will be a trigger for us now. In any language, what's your favorite curse word? God, it's so easy. Surely it's got to be fuck. Is there any better word in the English language than F-U-C-K? Yeah, I think this is universal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated in? I don't actually know what that even means, but I'm going to say a vine because vines are very resilient. They can grow you know, pretty much anywhere, but they tend to be in very, very beautiful parts of the world. Oh, nice. And last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you oh arrive God, at the pearly gates? <laughs> How do you answer that question? Um, okay, have you brought a corkscrew? Oh, nice. Jane Anson, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> So this concludes the wine hour for today. Uh, thank you for listening. You have a wonderful holiday season and a great new year. We see you all in 2023. Until then, drink in moderation, be well and safe, faith always. And we leave you with uh, Only Love Can Break Your Heart by Neil Young. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful chatting to all of you. Thanks. Thanks. Have a great holiday. <laughs> thank you. Wonderful music selection. Oh, so nice hearing them. I love it. Thank loved you. It. Loved it. Loved it. Thank you, everyone. Be well for the holiday season. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, uh, yeah, music. I love it. Yeah, just like. A <laughs> bientôt. Merci beaucoup. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Merci, Nicole, d'être venue. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Geneviève. Thanks, Philip. Evelyn, Beth, thanks. Maricelli, thank you, Martin. Have a beautiful holiday season. Thanks. Bye-bye, everyone.